I'm now a way to get me suit measured. Yes! Welcome to Searching for Shinies, the football sticker book podcast with me, Matt Ketchell, and him, Richie Wyatt. Richie, it's the long-anticipated, soon-to-be award-winning Paul Gascoigne documentary special bumper extravaganza special. <laughs> Can you even begin to explain to listeners what they're about to hear? Uh, well, first and foremost, two 90s football fans talking absolute guff, as always. But second to that, and arguably more importantly... It's a series of accounts of the great Paul Gascoigne taken from those who encountered him throughout the 90s and, in some cases, the 2000s. Yes, indeed. And we should explain uh, who we are for the purpose of podcast listeners who are new to Searching for Shinies. This is their first experience keeping a shiny. Me and Richie are football fans, met at uni many years ago. I'm a Newcastle fan, Richie is a Middlesbrough fan. The concept for the podcast began during uh, lockdown in 2020. And we released our very first episode way back in March 2021. The idea was brilliantly devised by me. And uh, it's us reliving our youth and collecting footballers from the 1997 Merlin Premier League sticker book again. But this time, we're collecting players for real. We're searching for players, connecting with them in real life and conducting long-form interviews. We've found around 15 players so far. So please do go back and listen to those episodes. This is some genuinely class 1990s goodness in there to be listened to but crucially whenever we've interviewed a player we've made a point of asking them for their best Gaza stories and we've never released these we've kept them Mm. up our sleeve for this very very moment I love listening to Gaza stories I know you do as well Richie Mm -hmm. but particularly we're after the rare ones the ones that you know, the ones he's, he, he trots out about, you know, the sister's sunbed and the fish in Gordon Jury's Range Rover. It's been done. <laughs> I'm interested in the unheard ones. And nearly all of our guests that, that did have Gaza stories, uh, there was about a dozen that we've had on Searching for Chinese, they produced Gaza stories that I'd never heard before. Yeah. So really rare insight and untold stuff that we've, and we've collated it. Uh, all for this very episode and you're about to hear them listener you are and you may be asking at this point richie ketch why gaza and if you are this probably isn't the podcast for you um (laughs) but in our very first episode with nottingham forest steve chettle we in our research realized that he played with gaza in the under 21s for england at which point our eyes eyes lit up we already knew he had cluffy stories but knowing he played with Gaza, albeit briefly, was great to find out. Gaza, as you were, you know, as everyone knows, not only is he renowned for being one of the best players the country's ever produced, but equally for having a fantastic sense of humour and being the centre of attention. So loads of players talk about Gaza, often those on the after-dinner circuit, because you can pull out so much great content about Gaza. And we lap those stories up, of course we do, because um, players like Gaza don't exist anymore. Mm. The game's gone to such professional heights now that we'll potentially never see another person like Gaza again in the professional game so we realised that if we ask each of these players that join us about Gaza we could pull together a belting episode of his finest and largely unheard work so this podcast is going to celebrate his individuality his sense of humour and his desperate need to be the centre of attention absolutely and I think we should just crack on with it now the first story yes, that we've got is told by one of our first ever guests from Searching for Shiny season one it's Craig Hignett and Amazing tale to kick off with. Laughing already. The next voice you're going to hear is going to be Higgies, and he is explaining his experience of rooming with Gaza at Bisham Abbey before the 1998 
League Cup final. Here comes Higgy. And then I ended up rooming with him. He said, well, come and room with me. We'll have four days. And I could spend two hours talking about Gaza with them four days that I had. It was a real eye-opener. Start the clock. I know. Yeah, Honestly, yeah. it was fabulous. <laughs> what a fellow he was. And I ended up rooming with him for about six months before I ended up leaving. Oh, loved God. him. Absolutely loved him. And he was nuts, but very gentle. You will never meet a more generous man in your life than, than Paul Gascoigne. But there was no line. Because he was Paul Gascoigne, he would get away with everything and, and did. It was just, I mean, the first day I was with him was was incredible. We had we had dinner and he asked me if I played snooker and I said, yeah. And he said, well, eat your dinner quick because there's two snooker tables here. We were in Bisham Abbey. So we went and played, we played snooker from, I mean, he ate his dinner unbelievably quick and he's looking at me going, hurry up. So I, <laughs> within about 10 minutes, we dusted dinner. All the lads are sat, we go, we're, we're at a snooker table and he, Gaz is brilliant at everything. I mean, brilliant at everything. So we're playing snooker. We start at seven o'clock. I'd say 11 o'clock we finished. But when we were playing, I'd seen all these. There was like dado rail all the way around the room. And there was little half moons, like little holes in the wall. And I said to him, look at, look at them. Are they part of the decor? And he went, no. He said, I'll show you after. So I'm like, well, show me. No, just play snooker. We'll, I'll show you after. And I'd forgot all about it. And we were packing the balls up at 11 o'clock. And he says to me, oh, Higgy. He said, yeah, look, I'll show you. And he gets the two snooker cues we've been playing and he put them against the wall and he got the white, the cue ball and he walked to the, the end of the room and he starts bowling this cue ball, cricket fashion, at these cues. So he's bowling it, it's hit the floor, it's hit the wall and it's made one of these little half moons, like little dents in the wall. And I said, Gazza, have you made all these dents? He said, yeah. I said, but there's hundreds, if not thousands. He went, yeah, no. He said, I do it all the time in England. I said, <laughs> so I go to walk out. And he went, where are you going? I said, I'm going to bed. It's 11 o'clock. We're training tomorrow. He went, no. He said, you've got to finish the game now or something bad will happen. So I said, well, what's the game? He said, we've got to bowl these balls, snooker balls, at the queues. We've got to snap the queue and we can move on to the next queue. So we've got to snap <laughs> two queues. So we start bowling. Boom, bowl, hit the floor, hit the wall, make a half moon, pick it up. Bowl, hit the floor, hit the wall, make a half moon. Bowl, hit the cue, falls down, doesn't snap, doesn't count. Pick it back up, put it there. Every now and again, he would move the cues around the wall so he wouldn't get one big hole in the wall. So we snapped this first cue. We're bowling for an hour before we snap the cue. It's really hard to snap the cue. We've still got one left. So we end up in bed at like half one. We're walking out the snooker room and I'm thinking if Robbo sees us here, he's going to go nuts. And as we're walking out, this cat comes down the hallway like a hotel cat and he picks it up and he scoops it up and he's walking with this cat and I'm walking behind him and I'm thinking he's not taking that to our room is he to sleep with it and, and as we walk there's this window's half open and he's through the cat out the window <laughs> and I'm watching I'm thinking what the... and he just carried on walking so he went bump and carried on walking and I've gone to the window I'm looking in the window anyway there's a tree an oak tree about five yards six yards away he threw this cat into this tree. And I went, Gazza, the, the cat. And he went, Iggy, don't worry, it'll get down, it always does. And I'm thinking, <laughs> how many times did he threw this cat out the window? And it... So we get in bed, and he said, you don't mind if I put the telly on, the lights are all on in the room. I said, no, you're all right. So I go to sleep. I wake up at about four o'clock, 
lights on, telly's blaring, and he's sat bolt upright asleep, like in bed. So I get up and I turn the telly off and I turn the lights off and I get back in bed. Two seconds later, he's tapping me on the shoulder. He said, Iggy, don't ever do that again. I said, do what? It's four <laughs> o'clock in the morning. He said, don't. He said, I'm scared of the dark and I like noise. So I'm like, oh, okay, guys, I'll, I won't do that again. Lights on, telly's on, back again. So for like the four days, never seen darkness, always on the telly, always on the lights. It was like I was living in 24-hour daylight. He, he was just, that was him. Little things would get to him and he wouldn't, he, he couldn't function. You know, he had to have it the way he wanted it. But he was, um, if you could have anything, he would have it. So like Tourette's and claustrophobia, agoraphobia, all that <laughs> stuff, he would have at one stage or another. He would, if he was training to get fit, he would go seven days a week for five or six hours a day. That's, he had a really addictive personality. It's the most addictive personality I think I've ever seen. But the most generous man you'll ever meet in your life. I love him for it. And in the end, the German bench get up and protest at Gascoigne's last challenge. And, uh, He's so involved in this game. He has actually, Gascoigne, got a yellow card. Now, oh, dear. Oh, dear me. He's going to be out of the final if England get there. For the tackle on number 14, Berthold, Gascoigne has had his second yellow card of the competition. And here is a moment that almost brings tears to his eyes. We interviewed Leicester player Julian Watts in Season 2. We weren't sure if Wattsy would have any Gaza stories, but we asked him, and he did. And, listener, you should know that the Chris that he's talking about in this story is his old mate from Chef Wed, Chris Waddle. When um, Steve Walsh had his testimonial, he was, like, looking for players, and I said, oh, should I ask Chris to come down? He goes, oh, that'd be great. Obviously, the more, you know, players like that you get down, the better. And it was just funny that, at the time, uh, Gaza was having his sort of problematic moments at Rangers, and he wasn't in the team. So then Chris rings me and he's like, is it all right if Gaza comes? And I'm like, absolutely. It's all right <laughs> if Gaza comes. Yeah, that'd be brilliant. So that happened. And then at the, at the same time, Gaza was really big mates with Chris Evans. And they're like, can Chris Evans come and play? And we're like, absolutely, of course he can. <laughs> so we got uh, Walsh's testimonial. Gaza had been in the manager's room before the game and he'd got a plastic cup brimming with whiskey that he'd nicked off one of the coaches. So he was necking that before the game. Uh, he just made, he absolutely made the night. He was hilarious. He, you know, we, we got a penalty given. Uh, Walsh, he took it. Gazza's like went and took the gloves off the keeper, went in goal for it. <laughs> you know, he's sticking the jumper up his shirt, you know, because obviously always people ridiculed him for being a bit overweight. And he, he was just nonstop uh, jokes all night. Uh, and the other funny bit about the night was that Chris Evans came out with us. And it, honestly, we went into a nightclub and it literally stopped and he got the microphone and he, he did a bit of, you know, like a segment of TFI Friday and everyone in the nightclub was just like hanging on his every word. So it was a, a very uh, surreal Amazing. night out that we had. And uh, again, very, very, very uh, uh, messy. But I, I've seen Gazza a few times when I've been doing the, uh, the charity games with Chris. Uh, really lovely, likeable lad. And, you know, I think I saw an afternoon just in a pub in Sheffield and the amount of people that were coming and asking for his photo. It was like really non-stop, which obviously, you know, he's a, he's a famous, you know, iconic player for England, but you could see it was a little bit stressed for him. So I, I do feel for him a bit, but, uh, mm. you know, a lovely lad. And here's Gascoigne. Brilliant play! Oh! Take a bow for that! That's unbelievable! 
point at the other. An absolute glory for Terry Venable's team. Here's a short story, very short story, told by Steve Chettle of Gaza and another big name from the 90s that we just had to include. No, we, we went we went to we went to Toulon, a Toulon tournament, and in the same group was Paul Gascoigne and Julian Dix. Uh, so it was a bit of a, a bit of a recipe for disaster. And they were had a few beers at the end of one night after the tournament had finished and ended up sword fighting with some metal chairs uh, in a bar in, in Toulon. So yeah, it was another another quiet <laughs> night out with Gaza. What about your start to the game? I was it wasn't bad, was it? <laughs> What you're about to hear is by far and away the longest Gaza story that we captured recording Searching for Shinies. It's told by Neil Madison. And when he was telling us this, genuinely, I had tears rolling down my face. It's an absolute treat. I'm not going to say any more. I'm just going to introduce it. Here's Maddo talking about his time with Gaza at Middlesbrough. I mean, I've become real good friends with him. Real good friends. You know, me, Andy Townsend was his minder. He lived with him. But but Andy, I sat next to Andy in the uh, chain room, and he used to come in. I was getting early because I knew there was a story the next day. <laughs> and this is all time seriously. And he'd come in, and Andy had just come in. There was a partition in our chain room, so Gaza was round the corner. <clears throat> and I can remember one time um, we were. Uh, I was driving. We had this driveway, and it was not like it is now. It's lovely, but at Rockland, but it was. It was cut up. It was stones everywhere. So you had to drive carefully. And I can remember Andy driving in slow. And I was in front of him. And I heard this beeping. And it's beeping all the way into the car park. And <laughs> it's Gaza behind Andy. And Andy gets out of his car like, And Andy, uh, Gaza used to call him Trumpet Nose. Uh, <laughs> he used to call him Trumpet Nose. And he'd let a few... He'd let a few... <laughs> Stupid comments come out of his mouth and yeah, trumpet no, what are you going slow for? You can't drive you. And Andy went, I'm a better driver than you, Paul. And then and Gaza went, No, you're not. And he went, I am a better driver than you, Paul. He said, I can drive better than you. He said, No, you can't. He said, Well, I'll tell you what, we'll have a race. This is what Gaza said, we'll have a race and we'll see who the best driver is. So Andy went, Well, I'll tell you what, then what we'll do after training, because his place was a place in Seam. He had a place in see him just up the road near up year 19 further on the coast. And uh, it, it was like, honestly, it was like Amateurville. You know, the houses. It was a horror house. I mean, it was <laughs> on top of this hill. Seriously, it was on top of this hill. And it, 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 he, he actually said there's ghosts living in there. He used, and he said he lived, he lived there somewhere, sometimes. He'd sleep in the bed. And the next morning, wake up and Gaza would be cuddled into him because <laughs> a ghost had walked into his room. <laughs> so, like, he'd be cuddled up with Andy. And Andy would be like, what are you doing? He said, there was a woman in the room last night, a ghost. He said, I'm telling you, she's talking at the end, at the end of the bed. So, like, he, he'd, he'd tell you all them stories. So, anyway, we're down in training and uh, Gaza just keeps on going on about this race that they're going to have. So, the race that we're going to have, when they finish training, we're going to have the dinner. And then go the race back to see him. So it's like a good 20 odd mile, you know, it's a good 20 odd mile back to see him. So Andy's like, yeah, no problem. No. So guys, is all through training session, a little farther side, I trumpet knows I'm going to absolutely, <laughs> we'll see. And obviously they had, we'll have a bet. So we got a bet and Gaza goes, well, I was going to, do you want to, and they agreed this summer money, like, and that's it. So Andy was quite clever. 
So he, he said to me, he said, listen, he said, uh, I'm going to go see Robbo. I'm going to have a chat with Robbo. And just while we're having dinner, I'm going to get Robbo to come in to the, to the canteen and just pull Gaza. I told Robbo to keep him in that canteen, uh, keep him in his chain, in his room for about 20 minutes. Just tell him he's been brilliant. Just tell him, you know. So Robbo's in on it, like he said, okay, then. He goes in this room, so that's it. And he's off in his car. Because he didn't, they didn't say after training, that was it. And he's off in his car. So Gaza used to come to training in his dressing ground, right? With this brown bag over his shoulder with flip-flops on. Now underneath his dressing gown, right? <laughs> That's where he used to come in. So anyway, he's uh, Andy's set off and he's in his car. So he's Andy said to me, when he comes out of Robbo's room, just ring me so I know where he is. So I might have to go a little bit quicker just to get, because I know what he's like. So anyway, and I said, okay, then I'll ring you. So Gaz is in Robbo's room for about 25 minutes and we're all in the canteen and, and Gaz walks through the door. And he's got his, he's actually got his dressing gown on with his flip-flops and that, and he sits down and he went, where's Andy? <laughs> and I went, ah, used to have got a race apparently back home. And I, I actually said race, he's out of his seat, he's got his bag <laughs> and he's out of the door. Well, we both, seriously, and it's like the stairs down where you go. So he's jumped one flight of stairs, he's jumped the other. <laughs> And he's and he's out he's out of the main entrance out of the main entrance. Well, he's honestly there was people in the car park walking over. You can see him trying to get his keys in his bag. His dressing gown is open. His 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 balls and everything are all over the place. And he, and he's like that trying to open his car. Like you know, you can see the car open. Anyway, we have this we have this barrier, and he and. The car's open and this, there's a wheel spin. There's smokes coming off his tyres and he's out of the, he's out of the thing. The, the, ground, the bloke on the barrier, it's up quickly because he would have smashed through it. So that's it, he's gone. So we are, honestly, we are laughing so much. So I'm on the phone to Andy. I said, Andy, I said, uh, listen, he's on his way. He went, oh, champion. He said, I'm on the A19. Well, that's, you know, a good 15 mile away. You know what I mean? So it's a champion. Nice, easy ride up the A19. So that was it. So I'll leave it. So anyway, I'm in early the next day. <clears throat> and uh, they both come in. And uh, Andy's just chuckling away, like, you know, to himself. So he said, you won't believe this. He said, you know when you rang me? I said, yeah. He said, well, I'm doing 75, 80 on, on the A19. And I'm going up the motorway. And I gets, gets, you know, gets to see you. And that's it. He said... I have a good 20 minute start, don't I? I said, yeah. So he, he said, I got up the drive and I, and I stopped on the top of the drive. I got out my car and he said, here he is right behind me. <laughs> I said, what? He said, seriously, man. He said, he's coming to the car park flying. <laughs> and he got out the car and he just went, you bastard. <laughs> <laughs> you beat me. And that was it. So anyway, so I went around the corner and I said, I said, Gazzy, I said, how the hell did you just get the Iron Andy? Well, he said, I must have been doing 160 on the year 66. <laughs> <laughs> he, said, he said, I flew down the year 19. And he said, God knows how fast I was going. He said, I actually seen a copper 
I seen the policeman. He said he waved at me. <laughs> I waved at him back. And I could see the light, so he, he said I just flew. He actually got in and he said to Andy, he said to Andy, Andy, put that in the, put the car, when he went to go back, put the car and we're going for a walk. So they went for a walk. Andy said, he said, there was actually a police helicopter because <laughs> 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 we looking for someone. And it was him like, and oh man, he was just like, honestly, it was, you know, when someone's telling you a story and when you think about it now, I mean, it is just crazy, but. It was he, he was like that. He had to be. He had to be. Uh, whatever he was into, he was into full time. He, I played snooker with him quite a bit. And he wasn't brilliant, but he had a snooker table in his uh, in his uh, haunted house, and uh, Andy used to stay there. And Andy used to come in into the room, into the chain rooms, and he used to sit down. And Gaz used to say, "Ask Trump it knows how he got on last night, lads." <laughs> And I go, oh, you gone on Andy. Oh, he beat us again. <laughs> I played, I played Gazza. I played Gazza a few times at snooker, and he ain't brilliant. He wasn't brilliant. But when I was, when Andy played down at Southampton, Andy was an unbelievably good snooker player. I mean, he'd rattle in a hundred breaks. He was that good. He was really good. So I said, "How's he beating you?" Like whispering, and he went, "Shh." He gave me the, you know, just keep quiet. So it's gone on for ages, like, and he's he's, he's saying how. How, how, how he's beating him every time, like, and then anyway, in the end, and he goes, I'll tell you what, big, he said, no, I'll tell you what, Fanny, he said, <laughs> what we'll do, we'll have a game for money, and Gazza jumps in two feet, he said, what do you want to play yeah, for, straight away, he said, what do you want to play for, money's <laughs> got to be on the table, what do you want to play for, so the, the agree of fee, they're going to have 10 frames, so that's it, so they've got home, and I'm in the next day waiting, like, so Andy <laughs> comes in, and Gazza just walks around the corner, doesn't say a thing. Uh -huh. So Andy's, like, chuckling away, and I know, I know what's happening, like, so I said, he said, ask him, ask him how we got on, whispering. I said, Gazza, here. He pops his head around the corner. I said, how'd you get on? So good. I can't believe it. He said, I've beat him every game the last three or four months. He beat us 10 nil. <laughs> <laughs> So Andy's obviously took all the money and that, and that's what he was like. He was just—he was brilliant, though. He was brilliant. He was—he was such a friendly guy. I heard—I heard a story about having—he's got crazy, crazy OCD, and about um, putting the balls back on the snooker table in the right order and every time. I mean, just the uh, the coffee cup when Andy went down to Birmingham and he was going home. He decided to make himself a coffee, took the cup, went down to Birmingham. Gazza's got up in the middle of the night, gone downstairs. There's a coffee cup missing. Where's the coffee cup? The Jimmy's five bellies. What do you mean, where's the coffee cup? He said, where's the coffee cup? Well, Andy's took it. He's gone down to Birmingham. Gets him in the car, <laughs> drives down to Birmingham, knocks on Andy's door in the middle of the night. Andy gets up, opens the door. I want the coffee cup. What are you about? Where's the coffee cup? He gets the coffee cup. Doesn't even stay there, say thank you. Gets back in the car and drives back home. <laughs> Jimmy says he puts the coffee cup back in in the thing, like you know, and that's how crazy he was, like you know, regarding it all. Must have been exhausting to be part of that. Ah, yeah. Honestly, he was, he was fantastic fun and uh, hilarious, mm. but also genuinely kind and and funny and nice. You know, mm. such a nice lad, such a nice lad. It, it was great times, honestly, great times mm. being up here and and being around him. Yeah. You know, he, he there was no there was no anything fancy about him. You know, he 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 loved meeting people. 
he come in the old workmen's club with me and he'd walk in and everyone like starstruck. There'd be a few old blokes in there and we'd have a game of snooker. But that's what he was like. Have an opportunity here. Guess going planning something perhaps. Here he goes on the right foot. And he squeezed it in. Paul Gascoigne, it looked impossible, but he's done it. Neil Madison was one of the guests who was very generous with his time. And after he told that amazing Gaza story, we just asked Maddo, do you have any more Gaza stories in the locker? And he did. The Gaza stories are just legendary. Love it. You know, they're just like, when he, when he, when he crashed the bus, he said, I, was, I was one of the lucky ones that was in the car behind him. <laughs> So he, he crashes the bus and he turns one way, bang, boulder goes in it, turns the other way to go the other way, another boulder goes in the side of there. So he gets out of the bus and there's me, full stamp, there's a couple of us, one must or might have been in the uh, car as well. And he, I was in the back, full in the back. He actually jumps across the seat and lies flat on top of us. But we used to have a bet before we... <laughs> We used to have a bet before we went to the game, so we'd have a horse, we'll go to the bookies and have a couple of bets and watch them on the TV on the way to games and that, or on a Friday. So we'll, we'll have, we'll, we're going to the bookies and he's going, oh my God, he's going to kill me. He's going to kill me, meaning Robbo's going to kill him. Like, what have I done? What have I done? Anyway, his phone goes and it's the gaffer. So like we're in the car, we're thinking, keep quiet, don't say anything. So he picks up the phone. <laughs> And he has his squeaky voice, and he just says, "He just he actually says, hey, Gaffer, like you know, in a dead <laughs> So with that, you know, you can imagine in the back, like when he says that, Stamp, he's got his head against the window. I've got my head against that window, trying not to like laugh or anything. And then all you hear is Robo's voice screaming at him, absolutely screaming, "What have you done? What have you done, you effing idiot?" What have you done to the bus? And then he comes up with, oh, I've scratched the bus. <laughs> <laughs> he scratched the bus. I mean, the bus had felt like it had been 20,000 miles down under the sea. It just caved in. And he said he scratched the bus. Well, the stamp, he's gone purple, laughing that much. He's got the tears are rolling down his eyes, and I'm crying my eyes out here. Like. And then he said, You can hear him screaming again. He said, Get your ass back here now. I want you here now. I want to see you. So one of the lads is driving. And he said, he actually said, he went, I'm just going to put a bet on first. <laughs> <laughs> and we've like erupted. We've like, and he can hear us. And he said, you better get them beep, beep, lads back with us because I want to see them as well. But I mean, he got us all in one by one. He said, were you on the bus? And said, Gaffer, we never touched it. We were in the car. We were going to put the bets on. He's decided to do it as a like a, a bit of fun. But oh yeah, you know, you know, people ask me about it, and it was one of the funniest things. Not not funniest for Gaza, but one of the funniest things when I'm in the back of that car and he's talking to Rob or the way he's talking to him, like his little squeaky voice. <laughs> oh my! And then he says, "Oh, I'm just going to put a bet on first. <laughs> and Rob was screaming at him. Oh, classic! It was brilliant. Mm. Superb. <laughs> so Cascoin shows the yellow card to Douglas Smith. Well, I have to say, I think there's a little lack of humour there. I can't really understand that. It was a light-hearted moment, and I really could see no disrespect or show of dissent there. Gordon Jury making the point, but Gascoigne 
remarkably has been booked. One of our guests from Series 1 was Neil Sullivan. He only had one real interaction with Gaza, but he shared it with us. And it was fun to enjoy imagining what Gaza might have been like in the dressing room at Wimbledon with the crazy gang. Well, the, the, the only time I've, I've... He was a bit before my time, Gaza. Um, but the only time I come across him, we, I, uh, when the Spurs opened the, the ground, you know, when the, the new okay. ground, they did like a test event. Um, and it was the Spurs legends against, uh, I think it was Milan legends. Uh, and I was lucky enough to be involved in that. And Gaza was there as well. Um, that was only... Was it about two years? Uh, when did that mm. stadium open? Must yeah, be two, couple, three years ago. Couple of years, yeah. Yeah, I remember. So the game. yeah, so before it all opened, they did this test test event, and we went to the training ground. We all got together, and Gaza was there. And he, he, I've never come. I don't know him. I've never come across him. But everyone was drawn to him. You know, he, he's just got this thing, and you know, he didn't do anything outrageous. He was just, I suppose, Gaza being Gaza, and, and everyone knew him. But sitting on the bus and everyone's around his table and he's just talking and, and he, everyone's just drawn to him and he's got that kind of personality and I, like I say I, ne- I don't know him I've never I don't, I don't, I can't, I don't think he even played against him I would have thought he's going back and might maybe he played for Borough in 98-99 the following season anyway is that he played for uh, Everton maybe I did. and oh, maybe Burnley I did then. you would have maybe you probably would have yeah I can't remember maybe he was injured anyway yeah, but anyway, so I, I don't know him as a person or, or got any stories, but just in on that one day, you could tell he's got this thing about him where everyone is kind of drawn to him and he, they they want to be around him and they want to listen to him and you know, he, and I think he enjoys that as well. But apart from that, I don't know any, anything about Gaza. Just just thinking about it, how perfect would Gaza have been for the crazy gang? Oh, it'd have been, it would have been. Uh, I, I think. When you hear what they were like, you say about Ali McCoyce and all that at, at Rangers, I think he was... The, just the stories that I've heard, you had to go in a collar and tie in, in training and everything, and he'd go in collar and tie and a pair of waders on. And he'd, 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 I think he hid fish in... He'd catch fish and he'd hide them in cars. And he'd have... I think that's a, a well-known one. He'd, have, he'd get two fish, though. One where you'd be able to find it and he'd hide one under it, so you'd think you've got it. You know, all things like that. It'd be... It'd be Brilliant. I think it'd be fantastic. Great to have people like that around the place. I think it must have been absolutely fantastic. Now then, listener, hope you are enjoying those Gaza stories told by Searching for Shiny's guests. We have now for you a special bonus interview for you, Richie. We've only gone and found John Sheridan. <laughs> yes, John Sheridan, not the Sheffield Wednesday player, let me add, uh, but the Spurs physio from the early 90s. So John has recently brought out a book called The Limping Physio, A Life in Football, which uh, is why he was on our radar. Um, He was the Spurs physio during Gaza's time with the club and most importantly was on the pitch when Gaza had his horror injury in the 1991 FA Cup final. Um, Mm -hmm. So the book goes into a detailed account of Gaza's rehabilitation and importantly his transfer to Lazio because for the best part of a year... John was by right by his side. He was pretty much his chaperone in Rome. So you can imagine being with Gaza 24-7 for a whole year. There's going to be some great stories. Can you imagine it? <laughs> well, you don't have to, listeners, because here is the limping physio, John Sheridan. Gaza was a very thoughtful person. You know, though he joked, but I remember him once coming into the treatment room and there was a disabled 
lad that was in there, and was showing him around, and and Gazza come in, and he started talking to him, and and, uh, and he said to me, "Hang on a minute, John. Hang on a minute." And he he whipped off the couch, and away he went. He got in his car, and he went to the cash point, come back, and give this lad this money, and said, "Go and buy a nice present." Now that's uh -huh. Paul Gascon. That's what we don't hear about with with Paul. But a lot, a lot that um, I mean, a lot of the tales really when in Rome, really, you know, um, you know, I remember we went when I was doing his rehab, uh, Tottenham, I think, the tour in Japan. But Gazza was out there with me in, in Portugal, Villamora, Villamora, and he worked really hard. You know, we, we were working hard, but one afternoon we decided to go shark fishing. So we got on this boat and, and out we went into the Atlantic and uh, we went out about 14 miles in this little boat and it's rocking back. But as I go out of Villamora Arbor, he said to me, go up in the crow's nest, John, you'll have a great view up there. <laughs> and I did. And when I got out to the open sea, I'm trying to get down and I can't because the <laughs> boat is going up and down and across <laughs> and my legs are dangling over the Atlantic and he's throwing me a beer up. Yeah, I'll catch that, John. And we, we went out there and we caught a little shark because we were going to get it, we were going to barbecue it. So he gave me this shark. He said to the skipper, give, give John that shark. Give Johnny that, give Johnny that shark. And I'm holding this shark by, by his tail and by his head. And it's trying to wriggle around. And Gazza is killing himself. And I, I thought, if I drop this, mate, it's going to have your leg. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to have your leg. And another, another one was, um, he had a motor caravan. And there was a lad that used to come to the, training grounds and he went up onto the roof of the motor caravan and Gazza got in the motor caravan and drove it around the streets with him <laughs> hanging on <laughs> for his dear life oh my god are you john when when you when you're on these um <clears throat> rehab trips in rome and villamora are you effectively in charge of Gaza, babysitting him keeping him out of trouble yes yeah yeah and <laughs> when, when Gaza got injured lazio wanted me to do the rehabilitation so in fact, for that year, I was in charge of Paul Gascoigne. I was in charge of him. He wasn't really allowed to go anywhere without me. So wherever he went, most of the time, not all the time, but uh, he spent a lot of time with me over that year. I got to know him really, really well. Lovely guy, worked, worked so hard, you know. Let's dial it back then to the 91 Cup Final. I've got so many questions I want to ask about this. I mentioned it's the first FA Cup Final I remember watching i've also done the acl twice myself so i know i know the injury i'm a huge gaza fan when people talk about the 91 cup final famously people in the spurs party uh, say that he was far too hyped ahead of the game all the attention was on him he'd already signed for lazio and this was his farewell game did you see that john did you worry this this guy's guy's a bit too excited to be honest i think if you if you go to a cup final and you're not excited there's, there's something wrong with you yeah. but maybe Maybe Paul was hyped up. It was his his swan song. He was going to Lazio and he wanted to do well. And maybe he was a little bit hyped up. But um, really, it it was a tragedy. Really, what happened when he when he got injured? Terrible. I mean, I think um, I mean my assistant went on first to uh, assess him, and Gaza got up. The tackle resulted in a free kick. You know, and then. After the free kick was taken, Gaza fell to the floor, and I went on then and assessed his injury, and 
I realised that it was a nasty injury. And uh, even on the stretcher, he looked at me and he said, uh, how long will I be out, John? I said, I don't know. Well, let's just wait. And he went, a month, two months, three months. I said, I don't know. Just let's wait and see. Let's take you in the dressing room at Wembley and, and check it out. And by that time, when we got in, I was speaking to him and trying to reassure him. And, and the surgeon came in and our club doctor and uh, said, what have you found, John? And I said, you know, it's, it's quite a nasty injury. It wasn't only the ACL. It was a medial ligament as well, which was completely and cartilage. It was, it, was, it, it was a nasty injury. People say, well, I've had that injury, but no injury is the same. All injuries are different. Paul's was, Paul's was an awful injury. And really, he, from day one, he was determined to get back. He was determined that uh, nothing was going to stop him. And I felt that he was exceptional. He, he, you know, he, you could see it. Because Paul Gascoigne is a football fanatic. Money, I think sometimes nowadays, money clouds the issue with, with players. But I think Paul just loved playing football. And, and often you've seen at Tottenham when the senior players have gone in, he was playing with the youth team. Mm -hmm. Just exceptional. And uh, it was a very sad day, really. Obviously, you would have had a mad 48 hours from, obviously, you go into Wembley with, with Spurs... The, the incident happens. Can you describe what happened from taking Gaza off the pitch? Because not a lot of people know that you, you obviously accompanied him to hospital. The surgery, he had surgery kind of within 18 hours of doing the injury and, and, and you had to overshadow it. And there was a huge, huge um, press scrum outside the Princess Grace Hospital in central London wanting to know what happened. And, and you had to kind of take charge of that as well a bit, didn't you? Yes. Um, yeah, Gaza, Gaza went to... Uh... From, from the Wembley, I was going to go with him. And the doctor told me that I couldn't go. You've got to stay here in case we get another injury. Gazza will be all right. He goes. And uh, so I said to Gazza, I'll see you later. You'll be okay. I'll look after you. I won't let you down. So Gazza went to hospital. The boys went to see him with the FA Cup. In the evening, we had the usual banquet and that. And uh, I, I couldn't drink because I had to be up early. Next morning is my wedding anniversary the following day, so I had to send my wife home. Oh, we, no. we, we were, we were going to have a, um, a weekend in London. That that all went up, so I, was, I had to send her home. And I was in the operating theatre the next morning with Paul watching his operation with a surgeon, which took quite a long while. He'd done a magnificent job, John Browett. He, he uh, yeah, absolutely brilliant. I mean, if it weren't for him, Paul wouldn't have most probably played again, but. And then I'm sitting down afterwards, having a cup of coffee. I got at me, because I'd been in the Fiesta, I got at the greens and uh, took them off and got changed, ready to go home. I'm absolutely knackered. I'm, I've had really little sleep, because I'm worried about him. And uh, then the superintendent of the hospital, Princess Grace, said, John, you'd better go out there, mate. The other patients are getting no rest. And I went out, and I was absolutely petrified. I tried to get through to Tottenham to get the spokesman up, but of course, the telephone is just ringing. There's no one at White Hart Lane. They're going around on the bus, celebrating. <laughs> there's, no, there's no one there. I'm, I'm on me Jack Jones at the top of you know, Princess Grace. And uh, I wrote out a, a little report on a bit of paper, scrap of paper. The surgeon let me use his pen. And I'm thinking, does that sound okay? Yeah. And I stood out there. And when I went out, I nearly absolutely crapped myself because 
I've never seen anything like it. There was literally thousands of people out there. The media, you know, and the television, what BBC One, Two, Three, Four, ITV, Italian television. Oh, it was unbelievable. And I, I, I just read it out and tried to get away, and uh, and they're all running after me. And I remember saying to them, like, "Come on, lads, give me a give me a head start." Mm -hmm. I've got a bad leg <laughs> as, I, as I'm trying to get away from them. And then uh, I got home and, and uh, I sat down. I said to Beck, you, you'll have to give me, I'll get a brandy. <sighs> so I got a brandy and, and then the nine o'clock news comes on and there's me on the steps of <laughs> Princess Grace. You know, it, it, was, it was surreal really. It's like you're yeah. announcing a royal baby or something. <laughs> why, why, you know, I mean, he was most probably, was he the best player in the world then? Most mm. probably was. You know, and, and there's so much was riding on this massive transfer. And I didn't realise then that I was going to have 12 months of, uh, of trauma that I'd never would ever experience in my life because mm. I had the media and people everywhere I went, they were, they were following us. And Paul often used to come down to my house in Luton and we'd do rehab there and we'd go out afterwards and there'd be a reporter outside in a car across the road. He, he was... Um, to be fair, he was a delight to work with. Our equipment that we had, I mean, compared to now, is, is nothing. We worked from a couple of old porter cabins from the North Sea in the car park. And our hydrotherapy, which I love doing, the, you know, was um, the swimming pool down the road, you know, in the health centre. And they kindly let us use that. But I used to get up early in the morning. I'd give Paul an hour's treatment, one-to-one, -one, before the other players come in because I'd still had a lot more players to treat. So, you know, which nowadays you would have four, you most probably have a physio just, just for him. But I still had all, all my senior players, all my schoolboy players, because there weren't physios then for one for the first team, one for the reserves, one for the juniors, and one for the academy. I was the physio for all of those. So it wasn't just Paul. I was trying to do his rehab as well as looking after the rest of the players. Mm. So it was, it was a hard job. It was looking back now, I, I don't know really how I'd done it. Most probably because I, you've got to have a strong family around you and your missus has got to be really supportive and your family. But it is, it's hard work, but it's something I'm very proud of. Mm. Can you tell us a bit about the pressure? Did you feel, as you've just mentioned, your equipment isn't great. You're dealing with arguably the best player in the world at the time in a treatment that's not well known and you've got to rebuild. You must have felt the strain, especially given that you're also looking after the other lads as well. I did. I, I mean, when I went to Italy, because he'd done part of his fitness test in the, uh, to the training ground. The Italians come over, the Italian medical staff, and I got on really well with those. I think Dino Zoff then was manager of, of Lazio. So the medical staff come over and we've done the fitness test, part of it. And then we went to the Olympic Stadium in Rome. And I was on my own with Gaza. So, you know, where now you'd have an entourage, wouldn't you? I went to the Olympic Stadium and they'd done all the cardiac tests. And they, the day after, they, there was a day in between. Lazio had flown in this Jim Andrews, who was world's number one knee surgeon and he used to operate in people like Jack Nicholas and Jordan you know the, and he was the ultimate guy that was going to decide whether Paul Gascoigne was going to uh, Lazio or not and I think they paid him quite a lot of money to come over 
And I remember the night before the uh, fitness test, Lazio training ground, Lazio got hold of me and said, can Jim Andrews have your protocol for your rehabilitation? And it was all laid down because I was lucky because my daughter, Debbie, was a medical secretary. So Gaza's rehabilitation was laid down day by day, the whole lot. So I just gave him it. I said, you just go through it. Anything you want to know? He said, you don't mind? I said, no, we've got nothing to hide at all. Paul is fit. He's fit. And he said, do you mind if I have a look at him? I said, no, fine. I don't know if Tot Tottenham really wanted him to look at him in the evening. But I said, no, look, have a look. I've got nothing. Nothing. We're not, we're not hiding anything at all. And he looked at him and then he said, OK, I'll see you in the morning. And, he, and we went. And Gaz said, how did that go? I said, yeah, we went. We've done OK. Yeah, I said, you've done well. Well done, mate. And uh, that night we, we went out just to get a meal. And believe it or not, the restaurant that we went to, who walked in were all the Lazio officials, the doctor and this Jim Andrews. And I said to Paul, I said, look, mate, we'll eat our dinner and we, we just go. Yeah, no, no dentist chairs tonight. <laughs> we, just, we just go. And he said, uh, he said to me, John, I can't change my tires with Gaz's dad, John and Jimmy Five Bellas. And, uh, and I said, look, because we're just going to go. And as you go, just say good evening. See you tomorrow. He said, hey, what? I said, yeah, just say, and as you, 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 you'll create such a great impression. And that's what happened. We went out and uh, I had this Jim Andrews said, that's a fine athlete. And I thought, well, we, we created that impression straight away. And the next day, they run Gaza ragged. They tried to find something, but, but no, no. Gaza, every, everything they threw at him, he stood up to. And then they said, we'll, we'll let you know the result of the fitness test. He, they kept checking his knee, making sure there's no heat, no swelling. And we went back to the hotel. Gaza went, laid down. I, I went to the bath. And I, by this time, I was, I was, I was out. I, I had enough. I, you know, it, it must have been like a nervous breakdown. Right? That happened. And uh, it, it, was, it was one of the, I think it was Daily Mirror. The guy came up to me in the bar. He said, uh, can I sit down, John? I said, yeah. He said, you know the result of the fitness test? I ain't got a clue. He said he's passed with flying colours. It's amazing to hear that. And it's great that your daughter helped with the, the protocols for his rehab. I was wondering, do you still have those? Because those should be in the National Football Museum, I think, because it's such an iconic injury and moment in, in 90s football. Hey, if I've got them, you're never gonna know. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think you should loan them out. We'd love to. We'd love to see them. We'd, you should loan them out to the National Football Museum because that's that's amazing. Really, every single day and every step that he took to get back, and, and like you say, he was he was world class when he when he recovered. But yeah, I was just I was just curious. You do you do have them, but you're, you're going to keep keep them safe. My daughter, for, for, throughout my career, she kept scrapbooks. So when it was time to write a book. I had all these to fall back on. So everything in the in the book is actually, it's all factual. It's all, yeah, it's all spot on. And it, and his rehab, the actual, how we've done the rehab is that's in the book, you know, okay. part, in parts of it. And and up there, I've got your semi-final shirt versus Arsenal when... Oh my God, have you? I have when he scored the, them. The free kick. Yeah, I've got that up there. Oh as, he, as, he, as, he, as, he, as he come off the field, he just uh, took it off his back. And he gave it to me. He said, that's yours. And that shirt, to me, is uh, worth so much to me. Mm. I don't know what yeah. it would be worth. What would that be worth? Oh, easily four figures. 
I think. Um, so yeah, get it on house insurance. But it's, uh, it's a good one. It's on the house insurance, but I've never, I've never let it go. No, it's amazing. Uh, that would go to one of the grandsons. And yeah. Maverick has gone forward with Stewart to the right, Lineker and Howes to the left. Is Gascoigne going to have a crack? He is, you know. Oh, I say! Brilliant! That is schoolboy's own stuff. Oh, I bet even he can't believe it. Is there anything left from this man to surprise us? That was one of the finest free kicks that this stadium has ever seen. Seaman got his hands, couldn't hold. Spurs have the lead. Paul Gascoigne, the scorer. Yeah, I mean, that's why we're doing this this episode, because he was one of the greats, and there's so many great stories about him uh, on, on and off the pitch. Was he, John... Looking at you saying when he came in to do his rehab with you, he was fully dedicated and, and, and worked really hard. Away from the training ground, was he was he behaving himself? Was he was he eating the right things and not drinking, or was he was he still being Gaza away from you? I I don't know. All I knew was that that when he was with me, I wouldn't allow any outside influences. That means people trying to get in to um, say they knew Paul Gascoigne, the footballer. I knew. Paul Gascoigne, the person, that was the one I was treating. So I think maybe Paul had, not for me to say, did he have sometimes the right people around him? I don't know. And I couldn't be with him 24-7. I could only look after him to the best of my ability when he was under, you know, when he was when he was working with me or when we'd done the rehab in, in Villamora in Portugal. I know that he worked hard. We, we did have a laugh. You know, we did have a laugh, but also we, we made sure all our work was done, you know, and and even I remember one day I went out and got some, um, he needed a bit of resistance on his leg and I went out and got some diving, what they put for the divers to put them down. So these leg weights and we used, we used them, but we used yeah. a lot of hydrotherapy there. He was working in a brace in the swimming pool, which was something that really hadn't, hadn't mm -hmm. been done before. So a lot of things we've done yeah. with Paul, we was rehabbing. Yeah. Chasing an ostrich around the pitch. That's got to be good. Yeah, yeah. Well, I've never seen that ostrich. I think that was my day off. <laughs> <laughs> that, was, that was my day off. But that would be in. But, uh, yeah, yeah. But, That's like Rocky. When, when Rocky's chasing the, the chickens, when <laughs> Gatto was chasing an ostrich. <laughs> I've only got good memories, of, uh, good memories of Paul. Have you got any other little funny stories that you can remember? Any funny things he did? Yeah, there's lots of things you can't mention anyway. But um, I used to get, when I went to Rome with him, I mean, he was worshipped there. Incredible. I remember one staying at his villa. Do you, do you remember Gazetta? Gazetta yeah. The, oh, yeah. I think one of the one of the boys um, who was over there, I don't know how, but one of his eyebrows was missing. <laughs> and I, I remember him walking. <laughs> I remember him walking behind the camera with no, no eyebrows. They're gone. <laughs> And I, I think he's and it, it and it was live. I think this Gazette and, and I think his wife seen it in this country. And uh, she looked at her husband walking behind Gazette, and he was, you know, with no eyebrows. <laughs> that was. I don't know how his eyebrows actually disappeared, but I've got 
I've got a notion how they went. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, being in Rome with with Gaza, Jimmy Five Bellies, and his dad is is going to be a very interesting experience. Do you think they were good influence on Gaza, at least when you were there? Did they help or did they hinder you? No, his 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 dad was a, a lovely guy. I got him well with John. John John, without a doubt, he uh, his Gaza listened to his dad. Yeah, he did. Jimmy was his mate, so that was company. But Jimmy knew. That when he was doing his rehab and that, he was um, he kept out of the way. But it had to be serious. There was no missing about. Or he wouldn't have got fit. So yeah, I mean, then people uh, we with Paul when I when I was with him when he was doing his rehab were were, were a good influence, not a bad influence. Um, you know, I, I can only speak as as I find. Really, it's very hard, isn't it? It's hard. It was very hard for him, a, a Geordie lad, world at his feet. I don't know. Mm. You obviously, I take it you obviously followed his career um, closely from when he moved to Lazio and, and onwards from there. When, when was the last time you actually had any contact with him? I haven't spoke to Paul for a long while. I just let him get on with his life. He went to um, you know, Scotland and that. He sent little messages through now and again, but I just got on with my life. Um, you know, that was part of my life that, that had gone. You know, I had other players to look after. I'd left. I think when I got Paul fit, I left Tottenham a couple of years later of my own accord. I was very tired of uh, league football and I set up a practice in Luton. I had a hip replacement. Then practice really went well and then David Lee went back to Luton and invited me to go back as consultant physio, which I did. I did miss that humour of football. So I was able to go back a couple of days a week and, and a Saturday. So I went to Luton back, I think, six, seven years again. So as consultant physio, which meant, again, doing what I love, doing the rehab and setting out the rehab programs. And so it was lovely. And you're working, again, with, with um, top athletes. And Lenny Lawrence, I think, um, Lenny was there as well. Mm -hmm. Lenny Lawrence. And later went to Middlesbrough, yeah, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. So Lenny was there. David Pleat was there. And then David left and Lenny, Lenny was there. And... I got on well with Lenny, you know, so, and then I decided, well, that's, that's it. You know, I've had a, I've had a great run. I've done, I've done a thousand games, league games, two cup finals. The only thing I hadn't achieved was maybe do an England game, which I would have loved to have done. But what had I achieved in the game? A lot more than I'd ever thought I would. John, we have to ask, uh, working as a physio as you did in the 70s, 80s and 90s, did you ever cross paths with the real John Sheridan? <laughs> yes, often. Which mean the real one? Yeah, I, did. I did. He was. He was. He. He is a lot more famous than me. And yeah, I did. I. I met John Sheridan a few times. Did you compare driving licenses and have a laugh? Well, I think he had more points than me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we did. Yeah, but people, people still mistake me for him. I'm sure, I'm sure he doesn't get mistaken from me because he don't limp, I don't think. <laughs> it's been fantastic to listen to you talk about your career, which is very interesting, and talk about one of the iconic players of the 90s who you know intimately. And you're kind of responsible for, for bringing all those brilliant moments to us because you you got him back to full fitness and we got to enjoy the decades of amazing play that he he gave to fans thereafter so thank you for that yes yeah 
delighted to do it for you. I really, really enjoyed it. And we live in a few moments from uh, from an icon, really. And listeners, John's John Sheridan's, the real John Sheridan's autobiography, The Limping Physio, is, is out now via Pitch Publishing. And I think anyone listening to uh, Searching for Shinies, the, the 90s football podcast, would appreciate this book. So go out and, and get it and read all about uh, Gaza and John's amazing career as a football physio. Thank you very much. Well, folks, that was the John Sheridan, the limping physio, a lovely, lovely man, mm. very gentle man. Um, cannot imagine him bossing Gaza around for the best part of a year, and most certainly can't imagine him in the crow's nest of a yacht getting blown from <laughs> one way or another. The poor guy. Yeah. Um, Gaza must have given him hell. Oh, uh, honestly, if <laughs> you just you would never put these two people together in a room. Um, <laughs> but yeah. Must have been great fun looking after him all that time. But but anyway, let's get back to it now. Uh, and we've got an absolute cracker of a story to kick you off. It's Steve Watson giving you mm. pretty much a day in the life of working with Gaza. We invite them over because he was living in a hotel in Liverpool. Um, so we invite them to stay with us. Like, and it was at the time I was staying in Mottram Hall Hotel in Manchester. I was, I'd just signed, so I was still in the hotel. And um, so much happened in one day that it, it, it beggars belief, really. All started with him. All started with meeting him at um, meeting him at garage just outside of Wilmslow, uh, and he followed me to the he was following me to the hotel. He'd got uh, he was he had a convertible at the time. He'd um, been into the garage and he'd got a pick and mix, but it was about um, like the bag wouldn't even close at the top. It was, like, <laughs> you know, about, it was about twenty four quid the pick and mix, um, and he also got a tin of beans, and I had no idea why. So we're driving. Uh, we're, he's driving behind us, and we're going past, going past some roadworks. And there's, there's, a, there's a manhole, and he's slowed down. I'm looking in the rearview mirror, thinking, "What's he doing?" And he's threw the tin of beans down the manhole, <laughs> and you just see, you just see this this workman come up with his hard hat full of like, beans all over it, <laughs> and it's um, and he's, you can just see him laughing his head off as he's driving behind us. And, I, and then got him out of the mall and decided to go for a game of golf because uh, I thought I'm not. He's only going to want to go and sit in the booze all day. I said, I'm not ready for that. So we had a game of golf and and, uh, and my dad was playing with us at the time and he, and he actually didn't have any clubs with him. So he went and, he literally went and bought a half set of clubs out of the club shop to roll and hire some. And then try to give them to my dad afterwards. My dad wouldn't take them. He's gone legging it into the, um, he's gone legging it into the trees, uh, chasing a rabbit. And then we've, we've got, we, we've took him out for a meal that night and we've took him to an Italian and about 20 minutes in, He's talking to the he's talking to the Italian waiter. He's ended up giving him his shirt, and he's had he's walked out of there with a with a with a waiter's outfit on. Uh, <laughs> as I'm paying the bill, as I'm paying the bill, he's standing against the window with two people there, uh, two people like looking out, having the meal, um, having a lag against the window. Oh god! And then we've gone back to the hotel, and we end up, he's ended up gate, gate crashing a um, a wedding, which ended up in the news of the world, and. Because he cuffed the uh, he cuffed the page boy around the back of the head on the photograph, and and, and that was captured on the on camera thing. So that that was just a day, a day in the life of Gaza. And that funny enough, that ended up on, on News of the World. Oh, one day, twenty four hours. Trying to say how gas how Gaza ruined uh, ruined the wedding, but you know what? He didn't. They all loved him for it. I don't. There's somebody trying to make a couple of quid off him. What was it like in training? He was, um, you know, he was just he was he was. Coming to the end of his you know, career, he, 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 he a little bit like Dunk. He couldn't couldn't play game after game by then. Um, but 
you know, having, having trained with him at various times through my career, um, just knew what he was, knew what he was capable of. Always, always still wanted the ball, always, um, always just backed himself. He, he'd take the ball anywhere, you know, he, he just thought about nothing else but, you know, being a footballer, as in, always wanted the ball, never go hiding. I remember I said to him once, like, he gave us a ball and I said, look, I didn't want, I didn't want the ball there. And then I remember he just, he wouldn't speak to me because he was just saying, you didn't want the ball. <laughs> you know, he made us feel like an absolute, he made us feel like an absolute clown. He said, no, 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 you didn't want the ball. <laughs> but no, he was, he was, he was, he was um, even though I don't think, I think his best playing days were behind him. He still, uh, he still had moments. He had a good FA Cup game, I remember. But, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't the guys I would, uh, Again, Steve Watson was a guest who was very generous with his time. And after he told that day in the life of Gaza story, we just went, Watto, anything else up your sleeve, Gaza related? And there was one thing. There's so many. Um, there's probably like you think you've heard them all, but probably there's so many that you just, like, just little things. Like, he, had a, he had a friend who was a, um, he was a friend who came down to Manchester a few times, or Liverpool, who was a mattress salesman. Um, have you heard that? It's one? already funny. No. <laughs> yeah, he used to sell mattresses, and he went up to see Gaza at. Um, he went up to see Gaza when he was playing for Rangers, and he was staying at Cameron House, staying on the on the on the lock. And um, Gaza had gone to get some more drinks, and, um, and he said, "I was just sitting on the balcony with uh, with Jimmy and thinking, where the hell? You know, where's Paul?" And um, Paul had nicked his uh, he nicked his, his van keys, and he just. <laughs> Slowly, as as I came back, slowly he was just sitting at the lock side, and he just said, "What's that?" And and like these mattresses just came out floating past. So Gaz had <laughs> emptied his van into the lock, um, and just see all these mattresses floating around Loch Lomond. So, uh, <laughs> so the, the fellas, uh, the fellas, um, fellas' livelihood was at risk. That would have been a right pain in the arse. If you were a mattress salesman, he's put all your stock in the lock. But how do you, how do you think of doing something like that? Like, where is it? Just never. <laughs> that was him. He never stopped. He was always, you know, doing. Always thinking about um, the next joke or the next way he could wind somebody up, or you know, to the point of where he bought a parrot when he was staying in the hotel in Liverpool. And, um, I mean, why would you buy a parrot when you lived in the hotel just because he could? Send Jimmy down to Stoke to pick this parrot up. Um, just numerous, absolutely so many. Did it, what was he like with with Rooney? Did I mean obviously it's I can't imagine a change room with them both in there given the talent they had. But did he sort of? I don't think were, I can't remember. I can't remember, but I don't think it was a massive crossover with the, with the two of them. Mm. I don't. I don't think it was. I don't think it was a big crossover. I know that when Moyes came, obviously I don't think you know Paul. Paul didn't. If he was even still there, didn't didn't stay along. Um, mm. And then obviously Wayne only just sort of kind of broke into the team. When, when, when Moyes was there. So I don't think it was a big crossover, to be honest with you. I've got a bottle of brown ale. Uh, you're always welcome to come down to the Dunstan Excelsior. I'll have the bottle of brown ale, and you can uh, arrange a cup of tea from you of Bob, the manager. And uh, while you're down there, I think we'll enjoy your more sport together, which I will just enjoy now. Thank you. Aye, that's great. Well done, <laughs> fat boy. I like that. Good on you. And good luck to you today. The game needs characters like that, saying. Daryl Powell was easily our most energetic and passionate guest of season two on Searching for Shinies. So we asked him 
do you have any Paul Gascoigne stories? Yeah, legend. Absolute legend. He come and he played against Derby for Middlesbrough. My dad afterwards was in the lounge and he said, Gazza, he went, hey, Gazza, come. He said, like, absolute legend. Right, he says, you are a top, top player. Love you, love your way. I love everything about you. Da, da, da. Gaz and my old man were talking for about 20, 30 minutes, right? And then afterwards, think nothing of it, we're playing Middlesbrough uh, later on in the season. Come out after the game and Gazza comes out. He said, well, hey, man, are you going? I said, all right, Paul, you good? And he, yeah. went, he went, yeah, I'm good, man. And then he went to me, how's your dad? He went, home. he's fine. He said, listen, top man him. Loved him to bits. When you see your dad say hello to, to him for me, I thought, what an amazing man you are. You meet everyone in the world. You remember me, for one. I know we're all footballers, but you're a, he was the best. And more than that, you remember my old man. He must have left that impression on you. And you've got that to say. I just went... I just think, ah, oh, you're first class. And he just went up there in my estimations. I just think he had he had a heart of gold. Anyone of that level to remember that and have the have the foresight to say that, say hello to your dad for me. Mm. It's like, nah, it's diamond. Diamond. You know, people don't realise the lifestyle he's got and the pressure he's under, but uh, he coaches through very well. Do you see a change in Paul? Yeah, he's about two stone heavier. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, of course I do. I think, he, as you said, he's an old man now. And um, no, he's not older. And he's an experienced player. And people don't realise that. They still think of the lad we saw in 1990. And uh, he's still got the ability. In fact, he's, he uses the ball probably better now than he did then. He has Michael Bridges with his Gaza story and has the added bonus of featuring the legend that is Sir Bobby Robson. I've only met Gaza a few times. Um, and what one was we were doing a goal movie. Uh, they were doing the goal movie at Newcastle United, and Gaza turned up to do do a bit of the filming for that. So we never, I never really saw him. But um, the the good thing about Sir Bobby Robson, every time you weren't on the bench, um, or you weren't in the squad, what he would do, he'd get all the players in the dressing room. He would name the team, name the subs. You knew who was involved, and then he would get the other lads. Um, he'd have his office door open. He'd say, "Come in and have a chat with us if you want, lads. You can hang around." Um, vent some frustration or ask some questions and I was like bloody hell like, just an unbelievable man manager um, so that I can't think who I was sitting next to but I know that um, I know I think it was JJ Jermaine Jenis was in there with us and myself and there was another one I can't think who it was might have been Jamie McGlenn don't know and Gaza walks in Paul Gascoigne walked in the office to see Bob and he was like alright dad how are you and Bobby was like <laughs> Bobby was like Good to see you, Paul. Great to see you, young man. How are you doing? Paul, this is Michael. Michael, this is Gaza. Gaza. <laughs> it was, I was like, my God. He was like, oh, good to see you, lads. Is he looking after you? I was like, yeah, it's fantastic. <laughs> so we just became nothing. We became like a fly in the wall then. Gaza and him, were, and we were just listening to this conversation. And Gaza was like, uh, Bobby said, how are you doing? How are you doing, son? Is, is everything okay? Are you stable? Are you off the drink? And he said, yeah, I'm doing well, boss, doing well. Um, he said, but 
I'm fucking addicted to these now. And he, he pulled out this bag of wine gums, right? <laughs> but it wasn't a small bag of wine gums. It was like, it was like the ones that you get from the, um, from the garages, you know? Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, the big supersize them. <laughs> and he was just munching these wine gums for fun. He goes, God, boss, they're, they're unbelievable, man. They're unbelievable. <laughs> and you can have as many of them as you want. You don't get pissed. They're so good. So Gaza, Gaza like, offered us a bag, uh, offered us them out the bag. And he said, there you go, lads. And he gave us this big bag. And then he went in his other pocket and pulled another bag of wine gums out for himself. <laughs> I think every pocket had wine gums, so obviously he had an addictive personality, bless him. And Bobby just said, oh, good to see you off the drink. They'll, they'll do you the world of good Gaza for your hips with the sugar that's in them, young man. <laughs> and it was just it was just a weird, it was just weird when I look back. Very surreal moment, but to see oh. the, you saw the chemistry between the two of them straight away and you realise how much of an influence he was on Gaza. You're, you're in a position that most young men would say is a dream. Um, but from my perspective... Having experienced a tiny piece of the kind of attention you're getting, it could turn out to be a nightmare, you know. Could be, but I'm, I, I'm trying my best not to let it turn out that way, you know. When I get as famous as you, then maybe I'll stop worrying. Like. <laughs> you're, you're more famous than anybody in the world. Keith Gillespie didn't share a dressing room with Gaza, but he did share the pitch with him on a couple of occasions. And Keith's last ever game for Newcastle was at the Riverside against Middlesbrough. Gaza was in the Borough team, and there was a couple of additional personnel that joined them on the pitch that day well it's funny because the uh when i failed the medical at uh, at middlesbrough gaza was there so i would have been sharing a dressing room with them so i'm sure mm-hmm. that would have been uh <laughs> i don't know whether it would have been a good thing or not uh but <laughs> my actual last game for newcastle i don't know if you remember it was a 2-2 draw do you remember the two girls dressed in the yeah. Santa outfits Coming on and chasing yeah. guys around the that was my that was my that was my last game for Newcastle that day. Um, yeah, that was two streakers. Don't yes. get streakers anymore. No, you don't. You don't. Game's and, uh, gone. They they chased they chased them about for a bit, but uh, no, I, I I I've been out uh, on a on a couple of occasions in Newcastle over the years with with Gaza for years ago. Um, you know, and had had a few drinks with him along the way, and he's he's a great guy. He really is, you know, what an absolute genius of a player. Um, I know he's had his struggles and, you know, hopefully hopefully he's over them, you know, because everybody wants to see Gaza fit and well, you know, because he's, he was an incredible player and everyone sort of just remembers, you know, Italy 1990 where he was just, mm. you know, one of the best players in the world. Um, and I know this, that Brian Robson is, was asked who the best ever player he played with and he always says Gaza. You know, and I know I know Gaza had had great words to say about about Brian Robson as well. But yeah, he's just a he was just an absolute genius. Mm. I think he went to live with Robbo when he was at Borough. I think he, he Robson wanted to keep a closer eye on him, so he moved in with him for a while. <laughs> yeah, but uh, obviously they, they played together at, for England as well in the midfield. And I think Gaza sort of says Robbo sort of looked after him in the midfield. You know, if anybody kicked him, you know, Brian Robson was there to. You know, because he was obviously a tough player too to uh, to kick them back for him. Mm. Have you got any little gems from any of your nights out with him that you can regale us with? <laughs> yeah, I mean, in, in terms of being out with him, I always just remember that, you know, we all know that Gaz has had his problems with the drink, but, you know, probably goes back to this. And he never, ever had the same drink <laughs> twice in a row, you know, and it was <laughs> it was strange, you know, because he could go from you know, a beer and then he would just have a glass of champagne and then all of a sudden he'd go to a vodka, then he would go to, you know, a wine. You know, it was just it was just never the same drink twice in a row back then. That's I don't know whether that changed over the years. 
but um, you know, I, I, I mean, I, I, I don't really, I suppose, like talking too much about him in terms of off the pits because I know he has had his problems. So he's, he's a brilliant guy, and you know, I suppose it's just nice to sort of remember and think about, you know, the player that he was. You know, you think about when he went to Glasgow Rangers, even you know, he was just sensational. Um, you think about when he was at Tottenham, you know, going to Lazio, you know, playing for England. You know, he was a sensational player. Um, and even in his early days at Newcastle, you know, so I'm glad to see he's um, he's doing a lot better. Hi, lads. I'm certainly glad to be a member of the Sondergo gang. No doubt I will fit nicely. Have a terrific season. I look forward to meeting not one, but all of you later in the end. I've got that on. I look forward to meeting one, if not all of you. Okay. I know, oh, I'll just look it and see. I'll definitely just look at it again. I can't believe it. Oh, screw that. Hello. Hi, lads. I'm certainly glad to be a member of the Sondergaard gang. And no doubt I'll fit in quite nicely. Have a terrific season. I look forward to seeing you. One. You're okay. Look forward to seeing one, if okay. not all of you. Hi, lads. I'm certainly glad to be a member of the Sondergaard gang. And I'll no, so much no hold on. Look, we have a rest. Hi lads, I'm so, you keep playing I bet Chris is pissed ourselves laughing at me. What a thick Lee Dixon was one of our guests in search of a shiny series one. He spent a lot of time with Gaza in England camps, so we had to ask him for his rare Gaza story and he didn't disappoint. We would love a rare Gaza story if you've got one. We've had a few good ones already. Gaza story there's so many. Um we and I'll never forget I was with him and I, he was always in a group so there was always people around him because he was an infectious character um, so people wanted to be around him So, but I'll never forget we were training at, at Burnham Beaches one one camp and me and him for some unknown reason we were training in the morning we had lunch and then we were training in the afternoon and f- for, for whatever reason me and him went to the dressing room to get changed for training earlier than anyone else and it was just me and him there so we walked in the dressing room and all the kits laid out for the afternoon training and he went, oh, watch this, Dicko. I was like, what? And he goes, oh, it's going to be so funny. <laughs> this is going to literally going to be the funniest thing ever. And I was like, what are you going to do? And he went, just watch this. So he takes his tracksuit off and uh, he gets his shorts and he puts his shorts on and he puts his his top on. And then he walks to the next person and he puts their shorts <laughs> on and he puts their top on. And there's 22, 22 players <laughs> training that afternoon. So I'm looking at him going, oh, you're not. And he goes, what's it? Swear to God, I literally, I've never laughed so much in my life. I had to help him in the end because he, <laughs> he had 15 sh- shirts on and shorts. So his legs were about this big. And then he, he goes, you know, you need to put this. I said, I can't put 15 pairs of socks on you. He said, you, you won't get. So he put all this stuff on track and he, he literally was like the Michelin man. And he was, he got, get saying, Dick, I'm really hot. I said, no wonder. I said, you're going to pass out. I said, right. He was like, try and get me. So we had to, I had to wheel him literally to the door and push him out the door. And as we pushed him out the door, he was going to go on the training pitch and just stand there and wait for the lads to come. And, and uh, Graham Taylor and, uh, and his coaches were coming along the thing and they both they all stopped and he was just standing in the middle of the pitch like with, with all this kit on. And I was like, absolute nutter. He, he just, he would do anything to put a smile on someone's face. He didn't care what it was. And I think, you know, to his... 
to to this day if he can make someone smile and he you know he's got the heart of a of a lion and and he's a gentle lovable guy who's had an awful lot of trouble in his life and still is i think um but when you get him in moments like that there it, it, there's mm. no one like him he's a definite one off absolutely brilliant and and he if you got in the wrong five side team in england you'd never get the ball ever so he's wasting his time so when the bibs were thrown out i'd be like we'll, we'll get green one because gaz has got a green one and then you and he would always, he would he would only give you the ball when he knew you were in trouble <laughs> and you had to give it him back that was the only time you got it <laughs> no, if you were in a good position he wouldn't <laughs> give it you there we are the shire sensitive paul gascoigne can i just say it was an absolute joy not only listening to our guests tell us those gaza stories but an utter treat editing them all together gaza he isn't even in the merlin Premier League sticker books that we're working our way through, but he just epitomised the 90s so much. He was the best player for a lot of the 90s, but just behaved like a normal fan, um, <laughs> at, at times very much to his detriment. <laughs> but, um, you know, he was himself, one-of-a-kind player and human. Love the guy, and I hope you enjoyed those tales, listener. Celebration of the great man. Indeed, and it was for us... I mean, I was in stitches throughout many of those stories, as you will have heard, laughing away throughout <laughs> Madison and Hignett in particular... But as you just said, Ketch, listening back to them during the edit, laughing my head off once again. Mm. What a guy. And listeners, the fun doesn't stop there. So no, Ketch and I both wanted to pull something together, um, some content for the outro, as we always do. Um, we were working independently. Ketch has found a quality 90s publication, which he will come to, available in all good bookstores, in which he's located a quiz. I also decided to do a quiz, meaning that we can test not only each other, but as well as you, the listener. Now, regular listeners will know that there have been a few quiz questions popping up recently in our podcasts. Oh, yes. And a couple a couple of people have brought to attention my 90s football knowledge, <laughs> which prior to this podcast was exemplary. Um, but one or two people have critiqued me. So there's a couple of things I want to say just to sort of, you know, give myself a bit of backing here. Number one. Okay. Ketch has been stitching me up with horrific questions. What? My case in point last week, when he was reading at the back of a funny little football card with Steve Watson's head on it, he said, there's a question about who scored their first goal for Arsenal against Forest. The player didn't even play for Arsenal, Adam Tanner. The question mm. and the answer didn't match up. No wonder I couldn't get it right. That was a misread. The sponsors, there's no hiding place with the sponsors. Well, now, well hang on a minute. Let me just say this. The, with the sponsors, I was so conscious of me taking an eternity to answer... I thought it's best for the sake of the listener just to skip past a few and you give us the answers. What I later learned when we did the manager's quiz last week, Ketch will just edit it together. Last week's episode, I'd ask you the question and you would instantly have the answer. You you cut out the 45 minutes umming and ahhing that you spent throughout the entire quiz. No, I cut yours out as well because it was tedious, honestly. A year old day. I cut them all out. And when the players do it, when the players do it at the start of the episode as well, when they guess the stickers... I have, to, I have to edit that because it's excruciating. I know, but what it meant was that you came out looking like an absolute genius answering the, the manager's ones. I didn't think of that you'd edit out the ums and ahs on, on my sponsor one, so I just didn't answer them. So that's my excuse, but... Mm, it doesn't wash with me, but continue. Well, we will find out because there's a couple of quizzes coming up. Um, Ketch, do you want to start off and give us a little bit of a, a flavour of the book that you found? Yeah, okay. Okay, I'm sensing a, a, a massive stitch up coming my way. No, there's not. It's not. It's not. When the, when genuinely, you know, I've just been, you know, giving you some great fun interactive quiz questions that the reader can join in with too. Sure. But um, 
For this episode, I've been digging through my 90s memorabilia. As regular listeners know, I've got some fantastic pieces. Michael Bridges' pen that he used to sign my autograph <laughs> at the 1996 uh, Philip Riley League Presentation Award at Wilton Key High School in Howden. But I also have got loads of books and programmes and I found uh, the official Gaza Annual 1994. So this would have been... A Christmas present for Christmas 1993, um, when Gaza really was at the peak of his powers, wasn't he? He was, he mm. was, he was. He'd made it over to Lazio, and he was, he was starting to get going over there. And it's, you know, it's pretty standard, you know, children's book, children's annual fair. You know, it's introduction, memorable moments, trivia, mm. tips, Gaza's scrapbook, mm. off duty exclamation mark. I don't really know what that is. Gaza's squad mates, Italian clubs fact file. Um, all, of course, every word written by Gaza, no doubt. Oh, yeah. um, mm-hmm. And he's done for us two quizzes. Oh, there's two quizzes? So, yeah, there's two quizzes. Oh, no. 25 questions each, but but let's just do one okay. for, for the sake of, you know, your reputation. Thank you. Um, we'll do... <laughs> I'll make sure we don't duplicate questions because I've got my my quiz. My quiz is more sort of facts, stat-based. So I'm mm-hmm. hoping that they don't cross paths too much. This is just, you know, general knowledge, lightly themed about Gaza in Italy, so oh, God. I'm going to read it out for you. You're panicking. I think it's worth saying to listeners... Oh, here come the excuses. I'm just saying, my love for football really started in about 95, because Borough got promoted, oh. and then it was the Euros. So anything before then is a stretch, but we'll see how we get on. You saddle. I was here with me watching Gaza in the 91 Cup Final. What were you doing then? Just playing with trains? Yeah, probably. Cars, trains. <laughs> I was out playing myself, probably. But never mind. Oh, right. Okay. Oh God. Moving on. Mm. This is this is the Gaza quiz. I'll post some pictures of uh, the Gaza annual on our social media at the Shiny Pod because there's some tremendous imagery uh, from this 1993-94 era. Um, but here comes the quiz, Richie. Mm-hmm. Um, Gaza quiz. Here we go. It says, "Let's test your knowledge. Let's test your soccer knowledge with these 25 questions." Oh, 25. And... <laughs> okay. Question one: Which English club plays at Kenilworth Road? Luton. Yes. How is that linked to Gaza? It's not. Uh, it's not. It's not. It's, it's a bit of general knowledge and there's a few... Oh, no. This could be a horror show. Okay. Question two. How is it linked to Gaza? Which club shares the Olympico Stadium with Lazio? Roma? Yes. Question three. Which Premier League club is nicknamed the Canaries? Norwich? Yes. Question four. Which club holds the record of Italian League Championship wins? Bearing in mind, this is 1993. I'll go for AC Milan. It's Juve. Oh. Okay. Question five. Who was the leading scorer in the 1990 World Cup finals? Lineker. No, for God's sake. Oh, it's 86. Toto Scalacci. Oh, of course it is. Italy. Toto. Oh, good old Toto. Number six. Which Italian club does Margot van Basten play for in 1993? Again, I'd probably have gone AC Milan. Final answer? Hmm? Yes, it is, yeah. Yeah. Okay, that's, that's correct. Oh. <laughs> Seven. In which year did England win the World Cup? Ooh. <laughs> See, I found you. A, I found your level with these questions. Thank you. Yes. Eight. With which club did Gary Lineker begin his career? Uh, Leicester. Yes. Nine. Which Italian club plays at the Aratime Franchi Stadium? Uh, I've never heard of it, so I'm going to throw out Fiorentina. Oh, you that's it. That's correct. <laughs> <laughs> Number ten. Which country will host the 1994 World Cup finals? America. Yes. 11. Which country hosted the 1990 World Cup Finals? Italian 90, so Italy. Yes. I'm going to go for Italy. We, Prime answer. We found your level. Which country won the 1990 World Cup Final? 
Germany. Correct. 13. With which club did Brian Robson begin his career? If you don't get this. West Brom? Oh, my God. Is that wrong? That's right. Yeah. That's correct. Uh, 14. Which country won the 1992 European Championships? Denmark. They did. What nationality is the great Pele? I think you might be Brazilian. <laughs> uh, and how many questions have we got left here? This is uh, just, you know, this is your level. I'm fine. Uh, oh. If you think they're too easy, then which northeast club <laughs> plays at St James's Park? I think it's Newcastle. <laughs> yes. But which Italian club does Des Walker play for? Uh, Sampdoria. Yes. Which country hosted the 1992 European Championships? Oh. Oh, no. No, oh, no. No. <laughs> the easiest quiz ever. No. Was that in Scandinavia? Was it in Scandinavia? Oh, my God. Oh, no. Oh, God. It's all right. I can take for ages on this because you're just going to have to edit it. I can't remember. I'm going to leave this all in. I'm going to leave every second of this in. I actually can't remember. 92. I can't. Put me out of misery. I can't remember. You can't, you're not even going to guess? Um, is it in Scandinavia? Yes. Sweden? Yes. <laughs> it was. <laughs> you struggled there. I'll let you, I'll, I'll let you off the hook there. I'll let you have a, a bite of that. Hmm. Which English club is nicknamed Pompey? Portsmouth, of course. Yes. 20. What are the colours of the Italian national team? Blue and white. Yes. I'm fed up of talking about Italy, by the way, after the year we've had. Which club, here we go, which club holds the record number of FA Cup final wins? Um, right. 1993. In 1993. Yeah. I'll say Liverpool. Tottenham. What? Yeah. Oh, Imagine. poor Tottenham. Who scored four goals for England against San Marino in February 1993? Um, oh, I don't know. Not even going to guess. Lineker? Nope. David Platt. Hmm. Uh, two, the three more questions. With which club did Gary Pallister begin his career? The mighty, mighty, mighty Borough. He did. What nationality is Torino's Enzo Schifo? Ooh, now then, that's a good question. That's a better question. Enzo Schifo. I don't think he's Italian. Don't think it's Argentinian. I think it's something more like Bulgarian or something like that. Am I on the right track here? Uh, he's European. Or is it Belgian? I'll go Belgium. I can't remember. It's Belgium. Well done. It is. Good. Okay. The final question. Which Italian club shares the Luigi Ferraris stadium with Sampdoria? Don't know. Genoa. Are you kidding me? It is Genoa. Oh, yeah. Well, I knew they were. In the... You're lucky. You've guessed a few there, right? So the easiest quiz in the world, mm. set by Gaza in 1993, yeah. 25 questions, you scored, Richie Wyatt, 22. I'll take it, because I was six years old at the time. But, <laughs> um, right, can we move on to the real quiz now? Come on, then. So, first things first, last week you undoubtedly cheated, looking at your screen. What? So this time round, I want you only looking down the barrel of the camera here, nowhere else. Okay. Now, disclaimer... <laughs> Disclaimer, all of this information I've taken here has come from Wikipedia. Every drop of it. So if any of the answers are wrong, it's not me, it's Wikipedia. There are 12 questions listed, you'll be pleased to know. So, uh, but but there is, if we do all 12, which I may decide against, depending how long you go, you can score up to 29, okay? Right. Question number one, and this is all about Gaza, I should add as well. Question number one, Gaza played for nine clubs. Can you name them and put them in order? Oh, for 
We could be here all night. No, you can do that easily. Right. Newcastle. Mm-hmm. Spurs. Yes. Rangers. Uh, you, you're not in order there. You're not in order. You, you might want to do it in order. Oh, sorry. Oh, sorry. Lazio. Mm-hmm. Glasgow Rangers. Mm-hmm. Borough. Mm-hmm. Everton. Yes. Here we go. Burnley. Yes. Now we are into the nitty-gritty. Boston. He did play for Boston, yes. Now, there's one other club. It's not in Europe. It's a Chinese club. And it came before Boston. I, I want to hear you have a go. They've got two different names. Basically, this club, I was reading about them when I was doing my prep. They've changed names a few times. They've had a real roller coaster of a time as a club. If you could have a go at... Ganzu Tiamu. Now, you've definitely, definitely what? cheated. Is that it? That's correct, isn't it? <laughs> it's as close as you can get, yeah. What? You haven't cheated. There we go. You haven't... That's nine. You promise you've not cheated? No. Ganzu Tiamu. It's Ganzu Tiamu, and they became Dongguan oh. Dongcheng. <laughs> Okay. That's got to be... I mean, I just don't... I'm struggling to believe that you've just got that. What What do you mean? (laughs) Okay, whatever. (laughs) All right, question number two. According to Wikipedia, which club did he play the most games for? Newcastle. That is the correct answer. I would also have accepted Spurs. He played 92 for both. Again, according to Wikipedia. Which isn't that many. Right, 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 right. Which team did he score the most goals for? Oh, I mean that... Hmm. Got to be Spurs. The answer is Rangers. Mm, Scotland. Yeah, 74 games, 30 goals. Decent. It's a good return. Yeah, he's all right. Right, this, yeah, he had a bit. This one's a bit trickier. Uh, and again, according to Wikipedia, I want to make sure I keep saying that. Adding together his moves to Spurs, Lazio, Rangers and Borough, what were the total transfer fees spent on Gaza? So, oh, so I want to hear your thinking. I want to hear, obviously, we want to try and work out can you remember what he went for for those transfer fees? So what he went for to Spurs, to Lazio, to to Rangers. So f- basically, four times in his career, a club has paid money for him from Newcastle oh, to Spurs, right. then to Lazio, Rangers. Oh right, Newcastle to Spurs. Yeah, Newcastle to Spurs was that was I'm going to say that was four point five million. Okay, Spurs to Lazio. I'm going to say seven million. Okay, so hang on, four point five plus seven. Okay, uh, Lazio to Rangers. Lazio to Rangers, I'm, I don't know, like, um, maybe th- 3.5 million. Okay. And finally, Rangers to Borough. Rangers to Borough. I'd... Was he out of contract or something? No, they paid. They paid. They paid. If he's out of contract, I haven't included it. These are There's transfer fees for all four, all four of these moves. Right. I'd, uh, I don't know, 5 million. Okay, so if I've done my sums correctly there, you've guessed at 20 million... I gave you a tolerance, I didn't tell you this, of 1.5 million to get it, to get the answer right here. Unfortunately, you have not got it right. You are almost 5 million out. So, no. Newcastle to Spurs was 2.2. You said 4.5. Oh, shit. Spurs to Lazio was 5.5. You said 7. Um, Lazio to Rangers was 4.3. Uh, you said 3.5. And Rangers to Borough was 3.4. Whereas you said oh, 5. Right. So, unfortunately, you've got that one wrong, Matthew. Uh, gone too big I've overvalued him you can't put a price on Gaza though you can't you can't it pains me to say it you've got that one wrong okay how many international caps did he receive <laughs> this is a, this is going to be a low number the anguish on Ketch's face right now listeners. this is going to be a low this is going to be low and I th- it's, uh, it's close to 60 it's under 60 it's in the it's in the 50s I reckon mm-hmm. going to need to push you for an answer 57 <laughs> 
<laughs> Correct. Is it? Uh, I, just, I just don't. How good? I'm sorry. How I, good? I just don't believe you. How many goals did he score for England? Again, I think this is going to be surprisingly lower, lower than you. It could even be single figures. You know, it's just on that. It's. It, I think. I think it's a surprisingly low number. Mm-hmm. Okay. Give me. An, it's in between. It's, come on. Give me. It's in that. It's in that area. <laughs> I think he scored ten. Oh come on. Yeah, this is a joke. Oh, is he scored ten? Did he scored ten. I, I just wish, listener, that you could see Ketch's face as he's doing this. He's really milking it. He's he's going to edit all this out, but he's milking it. Oh, it might be this, it might be that, and then he gets them absolutely nailed on oh, on both occasions. I'm just doing the quiz. Look, you you give me a quiz. I'm oh, doing the quiz. I give you the you know I give you the you know where did Newcastle play quiz, and you got 22 out of 25. I know, but this 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 sort of thing. And I, I know if I get one wrong, I hold my hand up. With you, you're you okay. need to be under exam conditions for these because it's a joke. I am. Anyway, right. Next, who was his international debut against? Uh, I know this one. I think I know this one. Czech Republic. No, it was Denmark in a friendly. Ah. Uh, in 1988, and um, against whom did he score his first England goal? Ah, was that Czech Republic? New Alba- oh. Albania, 1989. Right. I don't know why I've got. Che- I don't know why I'm obsessed with Czech Republic in Gaza. I don't know. I don't know either. Um, right. Here we go. How many competitive games had Gaza started for England before the 1990 World Cup? Oh, I get that. Like hardly any. Ugh, started. Started or come on. Just come on. Caps. You've talked. How many about? competitive games had Gaza started for England? I think. It, uh, no, start. I'm saying started. How many competitive games had Gaza started for England before? Well, he would have come on as a sub. If he would have come on as a sub, wouldn't he? For a few. I reckon. Uh, three, none. He'd never. St- oh right, start. Oh well, that's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about caps. Well, I said started three times. So right, okay. The answer is none. Okay. Here's a little interesting stat. How many for caps you. did he have? Oh, I don't know. Did I get the caps? Uh, he played a few friendlies, but I don't have that in front of me. Um, here's a little stat for you though. Between 1991 and 1996, he only played 16 games for England. Obviously. He was dropped not long after the World Cup when Graham Taylor took over. Then obviously injured. England didn't qualify for the '94 World Cup, and then England were also gifted a place in the United Six because they were hosts. So they just—he barely kicked a ball for England for yeah. years. Yeah, just in, injured, yeah, isn't it? Yeah. Injuries. Um, okay, here's a. An, I think this might be an easy one. Where did the dentist chair celebration come from? China, on the the tour before Euro '96. I was looking for Hong Kong actually. Oh, right. But you're on the right lines. Yeah, Um, Asia. Okay, here's one for you. You might not know this. You might. What was Gaza's good luck superstition during U96? I know this. Do you want me to say it? Well, you can keep it clean, but yeah. Well, can, how, can I? <laughs> who, did, all right, who did it involve? Les, Les Ferdinand. <laughs> yes, it did. Yes, he would have a hold of Les on the way out of the dressing room. Let's just put it that way. Yeah. <laughs> um, right. I've got two more questions. One question is particularly difficult, and it involves loads of players, and I think you'll struggle, and I don't need to spend forever on it. And then the, the last question... I'm going to give you a bit of a blurb afterwards because it's about his managerial career and it makes for fascinating, fascinating oh, reading. God. So, last question. And I think a pass mark here would be, I'm going to say 10. 
Gaza was named in the U96 squad of the tournament. How many other players can you name? Oh, no. There are 17 no. players here. Oh, fucking hell. I'm, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you... U96 player of the tournament. The squad. They had a squ- the squad of 18 players, okay. of which Gaza was one. Let's give you like a, a minute, and let's see how many of these net players you can name. Yeah. It's not easy. Andreas Kopke? Yes. Good start. So was there two goalkeepers? Two keepers, yeah. David Seaman? Yeah, very good. Yeah. Tony Adams? No. McManaman? Yes. Gaza. Um, Klinsman? No. Fucking hell. Karol Probowski? Yes. Davos Suka? Yes. Um, Paul Ince? No. Shearer? Give you, yeah, Shearer. You're, you're done with England there. That's England, England okay. finished. Um, Sammer? Yes. Matthias, Matthias Sammer? Mm-hmm. Kunt? I beg your pardon? <laughs> I just wanted to say it. <laughs> no. No. Hassler? No. Let, let me just check. I, I'll, I'll help you out with countries where... Are there any other German players... There's one other German player, and I've got to be honest here, I can't remember him. Really? Oh, Christ. Yeah, he's a midfielder. I just can't... I can't... Ziegler? No. Christian Ziegler? Uh, I don't know. Let's move on from that. Is there any... Burkamp? No. Clivert? No. I don't think there's any Dutch players. Uh, Maldini? Yes. Del Piero? Nope. Inzaghi? No. I'm just looking. I don't think there's any other Italians. You've got eight. You've got eight, I think. Yeah. Hmm. I mean, I can't believe you've skipped over your favourite country, which I find strange. My favourite country? Mm. England? No, the one that you've been talking about half the podcast. What? Czech Republic. Oh, Czech Republic. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I know. I don't know any of the players. Yeah, I can't remember it's, any of the it's players. tricky. Um, you've mentioned, you've said Poborski, there's a striker and there's a defender. I mean, I'm just not getting... Duh. I'll give you the first names and see if you can ever go to the surnames. So the defender is called Radoslav. Radoslav, nah, I don't... can't remember. Radoslav Letal. Mm-hmm. And the striker is Pavel... Nedved. Sadly not. Pavel Kuk- Kuka. Mm. Kuka. Oh, Christ. Yeah, okay. I'm looking... You haven't mentioned any French players, I don't think. Oh, right. Um, Jokaev? Yes. Zidane? No. There's a midfielder in the... Desai? Yes. Desai? Yeah, yeah. There's a, one of the defender and one midfielder. Laurent Blanc? Yep. And another midfielder? Mm. Deschamps? Yes. Very good. Very good. Right, so who are we missing here? We are missing... Um, one striker. We're missing two midfielders. One of whom is the German who I can't remember. Mm. Boxic. No, no, I'd remember him. That's it. You're missing a, a midfielder and a striker. So, um, the the two countries in question, which might be a bit of a giveaway, the midfielder is Portuguese and the striker is Bulgarian. Oh, Stoichkov. Yeah. So you just got the midfielder left. Figo. Too too no. early in it. Played with him. More of a central. Costic. Uh, Go on, say that again. Rui, Rui, Rui yeah, Costa. That's it. You got it. Here we go. You got them all, pretty much. There we go. All of them. Yeah. Oh, there's checks. I couldn't do the checks. Yeah. Got Good effort. Oh, Four actually, the German. Was... I beg your pardon. I missed the German. Dieter Eiltz. Dieter Eiltz. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, <laughs> no, I don't either. Right, okay. So, for the listeners that are still with us, I'm going to give you a little bit of a lowdown on Gaza's managerial career here. The final question to you is, which club did he manage? Officially. Kettering. Kettering Town, correct, in 2005. So, I've just, again, I've taken this from Wikipedia, but I've just got to read through this because it's incredible. <laughs> so, bear with us. Having already gained some coaching experience in China, Gaza signed for Boston United on the 30th of July 2004. After being at the club for 11 games, he left, in brackets, partly as a result of the club refusing to let him participate in the reality television show. I'm a celebrity, get me out of here. Uh. Those brackets. After leaving Boston, he stated he was not interested in taking over. Sorry, 
After leaving Boston, he stated he was interested in taking over as manager of Scottish side Greenock Morton, but this came to nothing. In mid-2005, he spent two months as a player coach at the recently founded Portuguese team Algarve United, but he returned to England after a proposed contract never materialised. He was then appointed manager of Conference, Conference North-South Kettering Town in October 2005, and also planned to put enough money in to own one-third of the club to show his commitment. His tenure lasted just 39 days, as he was dismissed by the club's board on the 5th of December. Gascoigne later claimed that the owner had interfered incessantly and harboured ambitions of being a manager himself, despite knowing little about football. He was never on a contract at the club, and was never paid for his six weeks' work, nor was he given the chance to invest money in the club as he had first planned. Gascoigne came close to being appointed manager of Garforth Town in October 2010, and after weeks of talks between his agent and the club, he decided to turn down the offer, though reiterated his desire to return to management at some point. That is the football management career of Mr Paul Gascoigne. I don't think he's... Yeah. I'm not sure he's earned a penny out of any of that. I remember my dad at the time saying, he can't manage himself, so how can you let him be the manager of a football team? So... It was interesting, wasn't it? I do remember the Kettering spell. Mm. I didn't know about the, that other stuff. You've got to but... be a brave chairman. <laughs> yeah, putting Gaza in. Mm. Interesting. Yeah. Okay, well, that links to a close the interactive sections of the Gaza documentary it does. special, Richie. Mm-hmm. We'll, we'll close it off then. We've, we've had some correspondence, haven't we? We have. I was wondering if you could <gasps> oh. uh, share that. Incredible scenes. Share that with the listener because we're very excited. We're very excited to receive this. Talk us through what we've had. We are, well, we've been asking for correspondence throughout. I want to give a shout out to John Robinson who messages on Twitter at the Shiny Pod. I listen to your podcast there. Engagement. Cheers, John. So that's exactly what we're looking for, John. More, more, more of the same, please. Brilliant. <laughs> Loved reading that. <laughs> I, I actually did. Oh, dear. There's a couple of other sketches, but one which stands out, um, which is from one of our loyal mm. listeners, Mr. Bogue, mm-hmm. who took part in our fantasy football tournament in the summer and did very well with that, where we had to pick mm. the players from the uh, the 96 97 season. Um, but he's pulled together in Champman, what year is it? 96 97? Championship manager 96 97. Yeah. He's pulled together all of our guests into a squad. And it just, oh. on the page, it looks phenomenal. Yeah, it's a classic layout. Oh. Oh, with all the buttons at the top and bottom. It's even got like a generic 1990s style uh, empty uh, stadium. It does, rep- rep- representing our listenership. Oh, all the players' positions, surname, mm. initial. He went to the trouble He went to the trouble of um, adding some goalkeeping stats to Steve Watson to represent the fact that he, from time to time, plays in goal. <laughs> it just looks great. So, Bogue, mm-hmm. much love, brother. That's um, as a... A real treat to pick that one up. We'll share this again on Twitter and, and social media. We've already we've already shared it, but it's worth worthy of a share again. Stunning. And then uh, lastly, someone uh, tweeted us, a um, guy I know quite well who listens, at Eye of the Tyne, great photographer, check him out. And he tweeted us saying, been listening to the shiny pod in my office this week. Very entertaining stuff. So, you know, let us know which exotic locations you've been listening to. <laughs> as in, listener, that's, that's mm. brilliant. I love reading that, so... Thanks very much for that. So yeah, we've we've come to the end now of season two. We have searching for shinies. That's it. It's in the can. It's been an absolute blast. Mm. There will be a searching for shinies season three because I've learned how to properly edit the shows now. So there's Arguable. no excuse. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> no excuse to, to not edit mm. together. And uh, whether or not we continue searching for players from the '97 book or move on to a different season or just do something else completely '90s football related that's different, we're not entirely sure yet. Uh, maybe we'll. 
We'll leave that up to you to decide, listener. But we will be back podcasting soon, that's for certain. In the meantime, please, please, please share this episode and the others that came before it from season two and season one. Share with anyone you think who might appreciate them and, and stay in touch with us on social media. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram where we are at The Shiny Pod and like us on Facebook where we're also at The Shiny Pod. Um, and that is where you'll hear about our triumphant return first, listener. So keep in touch with us. We're not going anywhere and we hope to be speaking to you again in the near future. And lastly, please five-star review us on iTunes and use our discount code at Classic Football Shirts who sponsored us in season two. So enter the shiny pod or one word at checkout for an exclusive discount on all your 90s kit garms and purchases from them and uh, you know think of that as our parting mm. gift mm. from season two and lastly and by no means least listener please continue to keep it shiny keep it shiny <laughs> god it's cheesy it's like strictly come dancing oh god yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh, keep dude. it shiny <laughs> <laughs>